The Dr. Chris Griffin Show, Season 1, Episode 19. Hey everybody, tonight is a very special episode. We're actually going to dispense with the quote, so sorry about that, but I have to be really respectful of your time because what I'm about to share with you runs over a little bit. Now recently I was invited to speak at the Kent Smith uh, Sleep Apnea Roundtable in Dallas, Texas, and it was, by the way, an amazing event. If you even have ever thought about doing sleep apnea in your practice, which is, by the way, an amazing adjunct, I highly recommend Kent Smith's course. He is the best I know at this at this topic, okay? And he's also the best I know to help you get that into your practice uh, step by step. If you're looking for a cookbook on how to do it, he's the guy. He's the most knowledgeable guy that I know in the field. So there's my plug, Kent. Hope you hope you enjoy this. Totally free. Got nothing out of it. Just that's how I feel about Kent. I think he's really a special guy, and I appreciate it getting to, to speak at his lecture. Now, um, what I'm about to share with you is a lecture that I have not shared with the show before, and I know that because I wrote this, or at least 75% of his new material that I wrote just for his his course and his attendees. So we're going to, after the break, we're going to jump right into it. And uh, I hope you guys really enjoy this. Now, I do apologize right off the bat. The audio is not the greatest, okay? Uh, but the house audio is having some glitches. In fact, I got started a few minutes late because of that. But listen, the content is amazing. If you will do what we talked about during this during this episode, it will change the way you practice. Okay, here we go, everybody. And right after the break, we're just going to jump right into the lecture. Welcome to the Dr. Chris Griffin Show, your resource for leveraging systems and technology to ease your workload, increase productivity, and provide you with the time off you deserve to live the life of your dreams. It's time to practice productivity and the passionate pursuit of a better life with your host, Dr. Chris Griffin. The doctor is in. Dr. Griffin is a solo practicing dentist who began his dental speaking career in Houston, Texas in 2002 and has spoken all across the U.S. since then on clinical productivity and efficiency, which we all need more of, right? Would you like to be more efficient? Helping dentists find ways to double their practice while taking more time off. In 2008, Chris founded the Capacity Academy to teach his concepts of clinical efficiency and practice management. Besides seeing patients three days per week and speaking at dental venues, Dr. Griffin hosts a weekly podcast on iTunes and Dentaltown. You can get information about that so we can... Sure, yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, the Dr. Chris Griffin Show, and also hosts dentists to ATD-approved hands-on events at his practice in Ripley, Mississippi, where it does the dentists all across the U.S. and Canada and Bishop over the last eight years. Please welcome Dr. Chris Griffin. Thanks, Kent. Uh, I suppose I'm the token non-sleep guy, right? Because I am such a novice that yesterday I went to April's awesome beginners class and actually learned a whole bunch, right? So, so I'm 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 less than five appliances into this, but hopefully, uh, hopefully I can share something that you guys. So do you guys? Who's in here like entirely sleep and doesn't have a regular practice too? Okay, so I mean, you get something out of it, I hope. But uh, I hope there's not a lightning storm. <laughs> I'm in trouble. Uh, but anyway, so here's what I'm going to do. I asked Kent, uh, what would you like me to speak about? And he said, well, just share your system stuff, because I have done a lot of work with systems. I used to be an in well, I went to Mississippi State University. You can probably tell by my accent that I'm definitely from the South. Uh, but uh, I went to state to be an engineer, 
started out in petroleum engineering, actually, so I almost ended up in Houston, Texas. But uh, somewhere along the way, I lost my way, and I became a dentist, you know. Uh, that's the rest of the story. Now, it seems like I would have made a great choice, right? My college roommate, who stayed in petroleum engineering, is the CEO and the chairman of the board of, of his own oil company in Houston now. So he is on paper, although oil's been down, he's on paper close to a billionaire. So I, I wonder, you know, sometimes if I made the right choice, but uh, I, I'm happy to be with you guys. Uh, so here's, I asked Ken, how, so, so great, I'll do this. So how long do I have to speak? So Clint said, oh, Ken, uh, Ken said, oh, it's, it's just uh, 30 minutes. Is that okay? Okay, well. In 30 minutes, so he said, and share something really amazing that will help everybody change their practice for the better. So, so in 30 minutes here, or I think he, he gave me 40, really, since he cut off a little early. But uh, in 30 minutes, here's, here's going to be my promise to you, okay? You're going to walk away from this, if you want to, with a system to finally get all the things implemented that you know you need to do. So, like, if you're like me, and I don't know, but I've got, like, 15 things written down from yesterday that I need to go back and implement, right? And that's on top of the 10 to 15 things from every seminar I go to, and then just everyday stuff. I'm like, oh, we should probably be doing that, right? Uh, so I'm going to teach you a system that you can take back today to get that done, and, I'm, and here's how much it's going to cost you. Five bucks. Okay, is that good for a promise? Uh, I'm not kidding. It's absolutely, I will show you how this can be done, okay? All right, so we're going to do this by borrowing strategies from billion-dollar companies. All right, it's not, not just us out there as being dentists and running, doing our own books and stuff. This is stuff that's been proven places like uh, Google, Toyota, Apple. All these places do this, and it's cheap. It's super cheap. It's just a real simple strategy. Uh, now I know what you're thinking. I thought you would. I, I got a kick out of this. I thought this is this is us, man. This is Dennis. So you got the two cavemen on the left and the guy on the right, or your left. He is he has finally invented the wheel, right? So the two dentists on the other side, or dentist type A's, they're like, well, hey, this thing, yeah, it's great. I see the value in that. Uh, but does it have to be round? You know? So I can see that's how it is because I've been teaching. I've been teaching stuff to dentists for, since 2008, stuff that I took from the engineering world and tried to bring into private practice. And every dentist I've ever worked with has always tried to tweak things a little bit, right, to make it special to their practice, which is fine. I just finally gave up. I said, okay. I used to give people this blueprint. So you follow this blueprint, there's no way your productivity will not increase. And I found out it's just a, a, a futile effort. We're just not wired that way, guys. We're just not. I guess it's the art part, the science and the art. I don't know what it is, but we're not wired that way. So here's the concept I'm going to teach you guys. It's visualized workflow. All right? We've got to have a little history. This is the boring part. Well, this is the sheet I passed out. This is kind of, I mean, this is not what we're going to do today. This is like a whole day lecture, right? This is uh, something that we did in my practice several years ago to follow a patient all the way from being out there in the world of not even knowing who we are to hearing about us and liking us and, uh, and, and calling our practice and all the stuff that happens and interacts with that patient on the way to becoming our patient, all the way through diagnosis, case treatment, if they reject you, what you do afterwards. Um, this is something, this is the kind of system that I, everybody can build this. And every part of this, 
has its own little intricacies. And I mean, like I say, if you want to build this for your practice, this is a whole day. But this is something that you could do if you take this little tiny building block I'm going to give you today and sort of work it up to the nth degree. So i got to share this little bit of story. This is a little bit of the history of how this came about. So 2013, actually, I lost my practice in a fire. It actually burned to the ground. A lightning storm came through. There were actually tornadoes and deaths in uh, Oklahoma from the same system. It swept through Mississippi. By the time it got there, it was just hailstones and lightning. But one of the lightning strikes hit the practice. Even though the fire department was two doors away, it burned down. And I, and I went from having a, a really nice 14-op practice that I'd built up with no debt over the course of 15 years to having no practice, really nowhere in my little Nowheresville town to go to the temporary practice. And, uh, and so I ended up in a nurse practitioner's office, and I remodeled their five ops into five dental ops. But 16 months there, it was a super challenge. I lost a lot of long-time employees because... You know, no, it, I didn't even cut their pay. It was just so miserable. They're used to this big 7,500-square-foot practice, and now we're squeezed into 1,250 square feet. Let me tell you something. You take a staff of like 10 to 12 people, and you squish them into 1,250 square feet, you see some sides of people you didn't expect. <laughs> and, and even worse than that, we're all of us sharing the same bathroom. You try that. You try that for 16 months. But before that happened... I was actually invited to my alma mater, Mississippi State. Uh, I had written a book in 2009 called Time Genius about systems and concepts and how you can get more productivity out of your practice. And the president of Mississippi State actually saw the book, came to my practice one day when he was just driving through and spoke to me. And he was, I don't know, I don't, really, the book's not that good. But he was like all impressed. And he invited me to speak at this entrepreneurship lecture that they had in their master's level courses in the engineering department and to share how I did it. So I go and I meet up there's Dean Martin. He was my host. I had a chance to speak at your college. It's so awesome. Like I was speaking on the same stage where I took Psychology 101, Western Civ. It was really, it was awesome. But I'm walking out and Dean Martin's walking me to the car and he said, you know, Chris, it's amazing what you've done and how you've taken a dental practice and put all of the lean management skills and systems into it. And I said, hey, Dean Martin, I don't know what you're talking about. I never heard that term. He said, oh, well, that makes sense. Because you were using a lot of weird terms that I'd never heard of before. It, it meant the same thing, but you were just, the terminology was all off whack. I said, well, I said, I get it. So I, did, I just made those terms up. So he said, oh, okay. He said, well, maybe you, you might want to go check out lean management, and, and so I understand what you're teaching better. So I said, okay. So I go to Amazon, buy five or six books, read them like, yeah, you know what? I was using some crazy terminology. But uh, anyway, what I learned along that process is I learned that, you know, if you go back into history, just for a second, post-World War II Japan, they sent a team of people over there, uh, led primarily by a guy named Edward teach the principles that Henry Ford had used in Ford Motor Company to build Ford up to such a huge company. And they taught those systems to everybody in Japan, right? And there was a, one company, especially Toyota. They took this concept and they ran with it. And whatever you think about Toyota today, from 1953 to, say, you know, 2010 or whatever, they had a pretty good run, right? Pretty good run. And 
one of the big things that Toyota preaches, and it's present in everything Toyota does. And if you read the book, Toyota Production System, anybody read that? Okay. So if you read that book, you'll, I mean, this is a, I know, I'm sorry, I'm a geek on engineering stuff, right? Uh, you know, this, this sleep dentistry stuff, it's okay, but uh, it's systems, man, that's my deal. Um, but, so one of the things they teach is this visualized workflow, and it's represented by what they call a Kanban board. Now, a Kanban board can be used for a lot of stuff, but it's really just a way to visualize. You put a concept down on paper, you create a bunch of tasks that go with the concept, then you pull, not push, the process from left to right until it's over. And they also, they use these things called sprints, and software companies have taken this sprint, and that's this is, by the way, let's talk about the billion-dollar companies. Do you guys remember, you know, back when we used to have software updates like once a year? Like every year they'd send you a disk, you'd upload, you'd be, you know, Dentrix says, okay. Well, now every major software company, if you've noticed on your phone, if you, like, don't pay attention to your phone for three months, like how many updates do you have? Like a million, right? It's because they have gotten so adept at using these sprints that now they do major software updates in every two weeks. You know, a month is like a way long time for a big company or a big important app to have before between updates. So they use this Kanban process to do that. Uh, they use the concept of Kanban in Toyota. They use it for their entire logistics control system. It seems overly simple, and they do put some fancy technological stuff with it. And there's even software you can use, but even at Toyota, a lot of stuff is manual. It's either, like, written or it's, like, on big digital boards, you can see. And the way that the, what makes it really cool is, we all know about push production in our dental office, right? Because I'm the doctor, and I come home and I tell Lapita, who's my right hand person in everything, and I say, Lapita, Kent Smith is a genius. Do these 15 things. Let's get it done by next week. All right, that's an example of push production. I'm trying to push all this on Lapita. It doesn't matter. If Lapita's got time or understands the importance or anything else, I'm just telling her to do it. And but the, the you know, and then what usually happens in a week, I've completely forgotten about this course, right? I've pulled 14 teeth and had two root canal files break off since then, and I'm not thinking about sleep dentistry. So it might be three months before I come back to it. But if you get it up in front of you every single day, you will not forget about it. Okay? And the way we teach the pull. We actually have discussions like, hey, which of these things do you think you can get done? Let's set some deadlines. Let's not just shove it off on somebody and hope that they, you know, get it done whenever. When we think, of, when we think to ask about it again. Also, it establishes, this is very important, work in progress limits. Now, last little bit of history, I promise. There was a, a, a Russian scientist named Bluma Zagarnik back in 1923 or whatever. She worked, now the Soviets, let me tell you, if you wanted to get something with the human psychology experimented on, pre-World War II Soviet Russia, that was the place to do it. Because, I mean, they would just take people off the streets or, like, accuse them of a crime and say, okay, well, we're going to send you off and do some experiments on you, right? So, I mean, that's not, it's not ethical. I'm not saying you should do it, but there's a lot to learn from what they did. Uh, so they learned that if you give humans, adult humans, too many tasks to do at one time, all right? Because the human brain really craves this closure. They like to do a task and get it done. 
Okay, but if you leave a lot of these things open, you can't. You get to where you can't. Your your skills are diminished. You can't process things. If you have 15 tasks in your brain running around that are not finished, it's unlikely you're going to get any of those done. But if you break it up and you do two of them today and two of them tomorrow, you, you by the end of the week you might have nearly all 15 done. But if you try to do 15 at once, there's no way it's going to ever happen. Okay, and I think me. And probably some of you guys are guilty of this with your teams today. All right, so, and this is what we talked about the software. This is how all the software companies do this. They pull these tasks through their Kanban board, and at the end of the sprints, they've gotten an amazing amount of work done. All right. Uh, oh, yeah, so this is a shameless plug that Kent mentioned. If you want to hear, like, the whole really geek, really worse geeky than this version of all this. I did a show on it, episode 16 at drchrisgriffin.com. That's where my podcast is. Also on iTunes, you can go to iTunes and subscribe. Now, the reason I would like, you know, if you, if you, even if you subscribed and then never listened to it, or subscribed and then unsubscribed, which, you know, but see, there's like only very few dentists out there that have a podcast. And so I've got this sort of competition thing going with Howard Friend. Now, I mean, it's, Howard's always going to kick my butt. It's obvious. But there are some weeks where I might get more downloads than him, right? So I get, and so if I do, you better believe he's getting an email. Hey, Howard, what's up, man? Uh, I, I didn't, it, your episode, I, it looks like I got a couple more downloads than you this week. I don't know what happened. It must have been crazy. I don't know what it was. Um, does anybody know Howard? Yeah, right, so you know. He's crazy. He is literally crazy, but he's a great guy. Um so yeah, so you go, you know, if you if you want to go, that would be great. But so here's three things. There's three ways. I'm going to teach you right now. Three ways that you can implement this Kanban workflow into your practice right now. Number one, okay, this is for the front office, and this is my actual board and my actual practice uh, for the practice. Okay, so so here's so what you got this. So left to right. So on the left. When we come up with a project, we break it down into tasks, and I just call them to-dos. I think I named everything with a D. I don't know. I like to have the same first letter or something. But So to-dos, you got, you know, and you just take sticky notes. You draw off your lines. You got sticky notes. You put everything up there, right? Now, the, the end, on the right side, you go ahead and draw a column for done. So you got the to-dos and you got the done, okay? Then in the middle, you create some series of, of little checkpoints that the sticky note has to travel through to get to done. Okay? Now, it does, it, it varies. Like in every company, they have their own variation of this. You could even, just like we showed the cavemen, you could go ahead and make this unique to your practice, right? But here's what I've done. We've got, so we when we get ready to do some of the tasks, we pull them from the to-dos into designated ready. That means, okay, once they're here, somebody's got to pull them to the right. Now this is a practice one, so this is usually, Lapita is, is doing a lot of this, but she might also be delegating it to different people in the practice, right? So you can't have, you can't expect one person or just a couple of people to do all these things. Now, down at the bottom, you notice it says work in progress limit, okay? What that means is in my practice, now I would have said six. I was trying to be nice. Lapita, she's a taskmaster, so she said ten. So, like, there's, our limit is never any more than 10 in this middle section, right? If they're, and no matter where they're at, if there's 10 in there 
and then we know, oh, there's something over here we've got to do, like, uh, you know, we've got to get our Medicare opt-out info in because it's completely been pushed back completely too far. We've got to do that. Well, before we can grab that sticky note, we've got to finish something in this middle 10, right? Because this is a hard limit. You cannot ever have more than your hard limit in there because if you start breaking that rule, you will, just like the Zagarnik effect, you'll get in there, you'll have too many things open at once, nothing will get done. All right? So that's what we do. Now, some of the other phases we go through, um, once they're ready, once we start actually working on them, we put it in the column that says doing. And we put a deadline. That's very important. Once it goes into the doing column, it needs a deadline. Because if you don't put a deadline, you probably will push it off. And on this particular board, I don't have it on all my boards, but on this one, uh, we've got today, like Lapita likes to know what's getting done every single day. So she'll put, she has a column just for this. And it, like, it has a limit of, of three things at a time. You can have no more than three in there before it gets pulled or done. Uh, now, occasionally, we have, we run to something we have to delegate to an outside party. So if we do that, we put it in the delegated column. Like, up there, it's, I think, my sign. Like, I've been waiting, I built my new practice, we opened two years ago now. And, and we still haven't got a sign-up. It's crazy. The sign guy. Now, I know things are laid back in Mississippi, but it's getting a little ridiculous, two years. Uh, every time we try to call him to, to say, look, we're just going to go with somebody else, he's like, oh, I forgot to call you. We've got the whole uh, front of it done, ready for you to check off. And every, It's like crazy. Every time we call him, he's got some little bitty something finished for us to look at that he didn't tell us about until we called. But so that's in the, that goes in and delegated. And it, I've got a, a little thing called detention. Now, this is when we absolutely run to something we can't solve right now, and we're literally waiting like a week or two before we can get to it again because there's an outside party involved. We might put it down in detention. But it still counts in this 10-item list you can't go over. Okay, so this is, and this is right before I left. This is the same board right before I came here to, to Dallas, Wednesday after work. So you can see for the week we had gotten... Eight things done, right? Which is pretty good. It's pretty good. And I bet you Thursday, when I wasn't there, they probably got more done. So I bet they got about ten things done last week. And this is not stuff like write-up charts, you know, restock, restock setup room. These are new things, right, guys? These are things, you go to stuff like this, you've got new stuff you want to implement. Most of the time it just catches dust in your bookshelf. But if you get one of these boards, I promise you, the stuff will get done. Right? Slowly but surely, it'll get done and established. And then once it's done, once it's done, uh, we'll talk about that in a minute, but we like to have these, uh, these meetings where we go over all the duns. Before we file them away, we go over the duns and we talk about them. Was this easy? Was it hard? Did we like doing it? Was it? Should we not have done it at all? Stuff like that. A retrospective. Um, it really... The, the magic to it, it gives your team a constant visual reminder. So, and this is like out of a big company. They just stick things on glass walls, you know. This is just, this is, this is millennial, the way they do things. Okay, so that's for the front office part of the practice. Now, how can we apply this principle to the clinical side of the practice? Who in here is a clinical assistant? Who in here is a hygienist? Hygienist. Now, I, I, I don't have time today to do my little thing where I pick on the hygienist. So, you know, <laughs> I know, I know, I'm joking. I'm kidding. 
I love hygienists, but what I'm going to do today, I'm going to teach you hygienists something. If you can get your doctor to do this, it will completely solve. So it'll, it'll completely solve. You ever, have you guys ever been, okay, you're working on a patient. You're, let's say you're pulling root tips out or something. It's not going good. You're sweating. There's blood everywhere. You're hunkered over the patient completely out of ergonomic balance. And uh, out of your peripheral vision, you see sort of a, a set of scrubs that seems familiar creeping closer and closer. And you're sweating and you know you're pulling and every time you put a little pressure, pop, 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 it just keeps breaking off. And then you finally, you just give in, you look over and it's your hygienist. And, and they're just standing there. And you know what that means, man. You know what that means. It means, hey, I'm finished. So everybody's getting behind, Doc. It's pretty much your fault. Uh, I need for you to stop what you're doing and get up and come check my patient right now. Okay? This board completely solves this problem. Since I started doing this in 2008, I would, I would say, I'm not joking. Now, I would put my hand on a Bible and say less than 10 times since 2008 have I made a hygienist wait on me. Okay? Before 2008, it was a daily occurrence. It was a daily occurrence. And I'll tell you how we do it. So this is, we call this the route board, right? So it only has three columns. The left side column is the priority. So it's just like, where this thing routes me. It tells me where to go. Uh, the middle is procedures. That's what's going on in each room. Over here on the right, what room to go to. So me as the doctor. And also to apply the Zagarnik effect to dental practice. I have got a busy practice, right? I get... $600 for a all porcelain crown for a lot of my insurances I'm on. For me to do uh, multiples of the ADA national average in three days a week, I've got to be hustling. And I'm not willing to give more than three days a week to my practice because I want to do stuff with my family. And all, for some weird reason, I like doing stuff like this too, right? So there's just not enough time. I can only devote three days a week. And if there's X amount of money you want to derive from your practice, You've got to find a way to do more production, and that's where all this came from. So, but at the same time, look, I'm a big quality guy too. I'm not rushing through anything. You know, I've done LVI, Dawson, we're IV certified, do a lot of implants, do all my braces. We do a lot of stuff. I'm not ever going to accept quality being bad. But at the same time, if I'm there three days a week, we better be hustling because we've got to do X amount of production to make things happen and to keep the staff happy and me happy and everything else. So, in my mind, I'm not thinking about the, I've got nine ops now, post-fire. So, I'm not thinking about the seven or eight patients that are in the practice and what I need to do on every patient. That's crazy. The Zagarnik effect will absolutely block you out. You'll go mental. You won't be able to process what's going on. I can only, in, in being fair to the patients, I can only think about one patient at a time. And I've got to think about that patient until completion. So when I, as the doctor, do a procedure, walk out in the hall, I only look for priority number one. That's all I'm looking for. And then I go to whatever room that is, in this case, hygiene number five. I go to room five, and I do the hygiene check. And then I walk out in the hall, and one of my team members has been furiously, you know, racing and rewriting, and I look for priority one again, and now it's probably going to be go to room three and numb up for some resin. And I'm only doing one thing at a time, all day long. 
And that's what keeps me sane and allows me to have a very high level of productivity. Um, well, okay, it, it, just real quick, this is always a question with the hygiene thing. So, in a hygiene appointment, hygienist, or maybe not all of the hygienists going to like this, but what things have to be done before you check a hygiene patient? Absolutely have to be done. Probing, charting, x-rays, you know? There's only a few things that have to be done. Now, it would be nice if everything was pretty and polished and floss and everything else, but if, as long as those things are done, I can come in and do my check and go back to the board. So that gives the hygienist a chance. It usually takes, to do those things that are completely important as a hygienist, how long does it take you? Oh, come on now. Oh, how long? How long? Hygienist. Hygienist. Okay. So, and then how long? You got an hour for the exam, an hour for the whole procedure. So, when you get done with everything that's got to be done, you go to the board, you write your check up there. As I'm bebopping in and out of the rooms, eventually I'll get to your check before you're through polishing. I promise. Okay? That's why you never have to wait on me again, ever. And this really, this everybody I've ever worked with that we installed this, it's pretty much solved their hygiene problem like that forever. Uh, let me show you how we do this in our office. So, it's not, you know, it's a big office, and so it's not logical to have one board that I go and look to every time, right? I'm just, I'd be walking a long way. So we got one board, it's in our setup room. We film it with a security camera. We run the wire up to the attic. I actually ran these wires when I took this picture, I'm proud of it. But uh, so we run the wires up there. We just do cable splitters with it. And then the beauty is this signal goes all out throughout the office. So I have like 12 monitors everywhere. I'm always within two steps of the monitor no matter where I'm at. Break room, private office. The front desk has a board. That way if they're, people are calling in, they're doing little scheduling maneuvers, they know if the board's full of junk, Something's happening. We, I, better, I better not put this person on top of everything else that's going on, right? It just keeps everything flowing so smoothly. Um, and so anyway, that's the way you can use it in clinical practice. All right. Now, doctor's side. Because I think the doctor's, doctor's part is as important as anything else. Because you as the doctor, you not only have you got a ton of stuff you've got to do practice-wise and patient-wise, but you've also got to, like on my board here, I've got to call uh, Lombards at Universal and get a reservation for 10 for my summer vacation for me and my best friend and our families, right? I've got to, you know, I've got to call about my kids going to Boys State in time. I've got, a, I've got a lot of personal stuff that I've got to do. And this is just, hey, the brain doesn't differentiate. It's just as important to my brain as it is for me to get all the Kent Smith stuff implemented into the practice. It's just as this is my private office. Um, this is where I keep my little board. And this is literally, this is a poster board. I'm not joking because I'm such a tightwad and I didn't want to put something permanent. I put little, I put a poster board and little sticky things on the wall. So if I decide to take it down and put a picture there, I ain't got a hole in the wall, right? This is my private office. Um, and this is how it would look right there. By the way, it's a, I just have to say, that's a, two things on my, in my bookshelf there. That's one of my little uh, 3D dentures that I've been printing lately a starter, and uh, also my son's first over-the-fence home run ball, which uh, they just, by the way, I have to say, last night at dinner, I kept wanting to leave and listen, but uh, but uh, they, they advanced to like their North Half Championship 
in baseball uh, last night um, for whatever that's worth. So I'm looking forward to next weekend really big. Um, all right, so this, the doctor, you do all that. This Obviously, my board's not nearly as big and robust as the practice because I don't have as much stuff going on. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I have some things, but not as much. Uh, so I kind of limit myself to having three to five things in the middle columns at any given time. Uh, and then at the end of the week, it's always good to have the retrospective. This is where you take all these sticky notes that got all the way to done, and you just have a little meeting and you talk about it. Now, in the beginning, the meeting might take a while, but after, like now, every Thursday, uh, I don't see patients on Thursdays, but I usually roll into the practice about 9 o'clock, and I start, I start having phone calls for this, like my speaking consulting business. I start those at about 10 on Thursday. But from 9 to 10, 9 to 9.30, something like that, I have a big meeting. And we have as about a 10-minute segment of that meeting with Lapita, a retrospective of everything. And that's how we know what went well, what didn't, what we should do better on, what, what else. What did this bring up? What did this reveal that we should be doing besides this? You know, you learn a lot of stuff as you move through these tasks. Um, and, you know, we don't have time to do this today, but this would be wonderful for the flight home. And I tell you, this would be so worth your trip to Dallas besides, you know, if you could just sit down and write down, I mean, you'd probably have sticky notes. I was going to bring sticky notes for everybody, but I thought it was like 30 or 40 people here. Kent says 100-something people. I said, well, I'm out on that one. I'm not giving everybody a whole thing of sticky notes. But if you just take that sheet of paper that I passed out and just write down, just all the stuff that you want to implement, action steps into your practice or your personal life or whatever, when you get home, you can put those on sticky notes and then just get you a board, draw some lines out, put them on there, man. Just stick them up on the wall. Poster, thumbtacks, little sticky glue things like I had that won't hurt the sheetrock, whatever. And, you know, it doesn't have to be pretty at first. And if you want to get fancy later, get fancy later. But just get the ball rolling. Get this stuff moving through your practice, right? So, that's it for the for the Kanban. So, who do you guys think this is an okay idea that you could put into your practice? You do? No. You you actually do the wiping? Oh man! Golly, Kent, you gotta learn how to delegate, son. Man. <laughs> so do you end up with like a lot of black ink on your hand at the end of the day? <laughs> you got, I, I, you guys got it good. He's a good guy. Hey, I love that it used to projection on monitors all over the office. Yeah. Oh, yeah, awesome. yeah. Yeah, that's great. So here's what, he's such a nice guy. I'm such a jerk. Like we have these radios in my office. If something's not on the, if it hadn't been updated on the board, I get on there. Hey, who's uh, who hadn't updated the board yet? All right, we need to get on that, don't we? So I'm I'm, I'm like a smart aleck. Kent's over there doing it himself. You know what a nice guy. <laughs> All right, so that's the board. Um, so just real quickly talk about end products that we learned from Toyota when I studied them. So we know what Toyota's end product is, right? It's a car. Or a truck or an SUV. Anybody got any ideas about what our end product is? What we should be having in our practice as an end product? If you tried to, if you tried to duplicate Henry Ford's process, what would the product be in a dental practice? 
Having patience is a pretty good one. You guys are, y'all are too smart. See, I usually lecture at the local stuff that people say, root canals, fillings, you know, crowns. Uh, you guys are advanced. I should have figured that out. That was in the beginner course yesterday. I'm trying to get to y'all's level. But, so, this is our end product in my mind, okay? So, all those things, those services we provide, those are kind of the, the end of everything, but they're also variable. They're not a consistent product. You couldn't, Henry Ford couldn't have gotten famous if he, if he built like a Model A, a Model T. You know, every, he went through the whole process. He, would, he had to do the same thing over and over and over. So the one thing we do over and over and over in the practice that we can absolutely get good at, we can get good at building a perfectly set up room for the patient over and over and over so that when we're ready to do a procedure, they just plop right in there. They just plop right in there. There's not a lot of, oh, hey, do you guys think we could uh, uh, get a room ready for a crown today? You know, none of that stuff. If you can just all day long get the room exactly perfect for no matter what procedure walks in, well, you've got this thing whipped. You can increase your productivity two or maybe even three times just by this one thing. Now, I know, it's, you know, it's a whole day lecture, right, on how to do this, the, 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 the tactic, but the overall concept, if I get you guys thinking, how could I consistently repeat the, the breakdown and the setup of a room in a very quick, efficient manner so that we can absolutely have the capacity to put a patient in and do a procedure, my ultimate goal for you guys would be able to do, say, 60-70% of the people that want same-day dentistry, just go ahead and do it today. Because once you try to start rescheduling people, all kind of bad stuff happens. You know, They get home and they find out their husband was saving that money for a new bass boat. Right? All kind of bad stuff. Really, you know, I don't know what it is in Dallas, but that, that's what it is in Mississippi. Usually it's some kind of bass boat issue with a husband that doesn't have a job. But... Uh, so if you can do this, that that's the thing. So I'm just going to run. I got just a couple minutes left. I'm going to run through some other useful concepts. We don't have time to dive into them, but you can just let this run through your head a little bit. Kaizen, that's a word, famous word that they use. Continuous improvement, all day. You know, we as dentists, we're pretty good at this, right? We start out as complete novices all our career long. We get better and better and better. Right now, I'm a complete novice at sleep dentistry, sleep medicine. I'm hoping to get better and better and better. Uh, that's why I run with people like Ken. Uh, Pokayoki. This is one of my favorites. It's a Japanese term that actually means foolproof. Now, Toyota and a lot of these companies, they like to make things so brain-dead easy for their employees that the employees can focus on higher-level thinking instead of just the menial task. Even though they've got to do the menial task, they can focus on higher-level thinking. So one thing we do for every procedure in our practice, we color code it. So this is like a composite resin. Composite resins in our practice are orange. So if we're getting ready to set up a room for a composite resin, we plop one of these laminated posters down that's orange, and then every single item that goes on it is also color-coded. And so once that the assistant has the proper color-coded item on the proper color-coded block of the orange template, they know they can go put on the Kanban board, room three is ready for the composite resin. Right? There's no question. I don't get in there and this says, oh, I forgot that. Got to run here. You know? You got to keep their rear ends glued to the seat if you want to be efficient. It's just up and going and then it's awkward when they leave the room. I always think, what am I doing? I'm holding the handpiece in my right hand. Do I start talking about something? I don't know what to do. So, you know, it just keeps things flowing. 
keeps things flowing. Uh, Genchi Genbutsu. Who in here is from Japan? Great, because I am not pronouncing this stuff right at all. <laughs> right? But this is a concept where they go and they literally, even the biggest dog CEOs at Toyota and other companies, they'll go put boots on the ground weekly. I mean the big dogs. And they'll walk around. They don't actually try to fix things, but they'll like, hey, how's it going? What problems have you had today? Is there anything that, I, that anything we could be doing to make your job easier? This is the kind of stuff that you as a dentist absolutely probably do already. We're not talking about meddling in people's job. We're talking about trying to get in there and figuring out, hey, tell me what I could do to help, help this, uh, this, this appliance get approved quicker. It's been five months and we haven't heard from them, you know? How is it looking on the spreadsheet? I mean, I, yeah, well, there you go. You know, what can I do to make this go quicker? I don't know, but uh, NECU, that's a concept called, uh, it's called, it's for blockages, but I think it really represents roadblocks well. Everybody's got roadblocks in their practice, everybody. If you can identify roadblocks and then come up with a solution, put the task on the Kanban board, pull them through, man, in the two weeks to a month, you could solve just about anything. Oh, man, it didn't do good, but MUDA, it's a term for waste. I think the biggest waste we all have in the practice is time. I think that most dentists in here are taking six to eight weeks of vacation every single year. You know why I know that? Because you guys are taking it 15, 20 minutes at a time all day sitting behind your computers in your office getting on dental town. That's what's happening. <laughs> you know? I say work hard while you're there and then go to Universal or Disney for two weeks at a whack. Yeah. Uh, Murray. Now this is a concept of overburdening. I think we've all been guilty. And when you tell your assistant to do 15 things by next Thursday, this is the look I get. I don't know the look that you guys get, but that's the look I get every single time. I'm not even going to try to say that one. But it's just in-time production. So Toyota and a lot of these companies, they don't believe in having big, big warehouses full of inventory. They deliver things at the exact moment it needs to be delivered. So when I took this concept and I applied it to the practice, like we talked about the orange templates for the composite resins, well, every single supply that goes on that template, we put in an orange bin to match the template. So now, when we try to take that to the room, all my assistants have to do is they go set a bucket down in front of the row of orange, pull one supply out of each bin, and go to the room. Now, of course, we have septicane and orange bins and yellow bins and green bins and blue bins. We have a lot of we have that septicane, but it's a heck of a lot easier to, to put take a thing of septicane once a week and put it in every bin than it is to go and hunt the septicane or hunt the whatever for different procedures because your brain has to try to remember all these things. We're just trying to make it foolproof as easy as humanly possible. Hajuka, this is scheduling. This is a screenshot out of Dentrick. This is just, there's such an art and science to scheduling. You know, it's not that there could ever be just a do this, 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 and this. And I despise block scheduling because I think people that advocate block scheduling really just don't understand how to properly manage the time of the practice. Well, like I said, that's a whole other lecture. But just to get you thinking, if you can improve your productivity, you can absolutely have a, a, a schedule that looks a lot busier than what you probably do right now. Okay, seven deadly dental wastes. Uh, well, we don't have a ton of time. So I'm just going to flip through these. Perishable inventory, wasted motion, waiting time is pro uh, procedure process and defects. Opportunity cost, and this is one of my also inventions, uh, the algorithm checklist. 
because we do have a checklist for things that can't physically fit on the template to make sure the room's ready. I got tired of looking at 13 separate checklists, and now we put everything into one. You just sort of flow through it like an ACLS algorithm. So the whole payoff of this, happy team means happy doctor. I like being happy. And if, you're ha if your team's happy, if your team does a really good job, send them on a trip. Send ours on cruises, Broadway shows. We went to Universal this year. In fact, I did a whole show on my podcast about how to set up a good team seminar slash vacation trip if you go to drchrisgriffin.com. So that's it. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Dr. Chris Griffin Show. Be sure to visit drchrisgriffin.com for the latest resources and updates to keep you more productive every single day you're at the practice so when you're not working, you can do the things that matter most in life. We look forward to having you join us for another episode of the Chris Griffin Show where the doctor is always in.